Good morning. If you would, uh, open your Bibles to the 46th Psalm. We'll be reading from there in a little bit here. So we'll be looking at Psalm 46. You know, we live in a world that is full of trouble, full of problems. There's a lot of strife, a lot of tension, and a lot of uncertainty that many of us have been feeling. We have war happening in the Ukraine as Russian forces have attempted to invade. That's been going on for some time now. And there have been some who have expressed concern about whether or not this event could eventually lead to World War III. I, I've heard a lot of my students talking about that. Some have even brought into question the mental stability of Vladimir Putin. Would he find himself so backed into a corner that he would decide to launch some nuclear weapons? After all, people can do some pretty crazy things when they are unstable mentally and they feel that there's no way out for them. Sometimes they become desperate and end up doing things that they would never have done before. And then, of course, there have been the troubles we have faced within our own country. Many are concerned about the direction the country seems to be headed in. Prices for goods and services are up. We have economic trials, economic issues. The stock market's been all over the place. And with these prices for goods and services going up, many are concerned that they will continue to go up in the near future. There's even been talk of food shortages potentially occurring in the future. And again, I don't know how realistic any of these things are, but, but these are some of the things that people talk about. And that can get us a little bit nervous and can kind of rattle us a little bit. Um, regardless of who you voted for and what your political stance is, whether we like it or not, we do have a weak leader in the White House right now. And all of our enemies around the world know this. And, and, and who knows what future troubles this could lead for all of us to experience down the road. And then there are the constant attacks in our society against the truths that God has established. And this is an old, old uh, time magazine cover from 1966 but again we still see these same attacks on God today attacks against his existence attacks against his creation attacks against his word his truth attacks against his son Jesus and these attacks have over time really damaged the faith of many Christians day in and day out these attacks against God and his people come and some are flat out in your face criticisms, but many have been very subtle criticisms. Subtle criticisms that have, and subtle attacks that have been chipping away at the faith of Christians for years and years until they finally crack under the pressure. Having neglected the opportunities to strengthen their faith, they are led away from Christ and into the world, and unfortunately, we see these things happen sometimes. And churches across the world have seen specifically the effects of this recently over the past couple years with the COVID pandemic. There are churches across the country still talking about how many of those who were once a part of their group have never returned after meetings resumed after the pandemic. Sadly, the COVID pandemic exposed the serious 
lack of faith in many of those who were called Christians. For, for these brethren, I guess COVID was the straw that broke the camel's back. So there have been plenty of things over the past couple of years and even in the past few months that have generated some concerns that, that some of us might be feeling. There's a lot happening and it can really begin to trouble us and as we mentioned, it's troubling some brethren. And we, we haven't even mentioned the battles that can take place sometimes within a congregation or within the church itself. The battles against biblical error and those who would seek to cause division in God's kingdom. You know, we aren't always aware of it, but, but elders in churches everywhere find themselves having to fight these battles for the good of the flock that they oversee. We've had some of those battles here in the past. And then there are the battles that we fight against our own selfish desires, the battles against temptation. We have those battles as well. Satan has been working overtime, and it has been showing. And, and that's why I thought it would be good for us this morning to consider some thoughts from the 46th Psalm. So if you haven't done so already, please open your Bibles to Psalm 46, and let's read this together, and then we'll talk about a few lessons that we can get out of this this morning. Psalm 46, starting in verse 1. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, Selah. There is a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged. The kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice. The earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. Come behold the works of the Lord, who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. What a great song. So many good reminders here in Psalm 46 and so many good lessons for us to consider today. But I just want us to consider a couple of things. And right away, in verse 1, we can see our first great reminder. That God is our refuge and our strength. You know, we can get so wrapped up in the problems that this life has to offer. That it can be really easy to forget this very simple and fundamental truth. God is a place of shelter for us. A place of shelter out of the storm of life. A place of protection from the trials of life. And what comes to mind for me right away when I think about this is the opportunity that we are sharing together right now. The opportunity that we have every first day of the week. The opportunity that we have every Wednesday night. And that is to be able to come out of the world 
and be together as brethren and worship our God, study his word and remember the sacrifice of his son, Jesus. And I just want to say this next part as kindly as possible. But I wonder sometimes if there are some who don't appreciate these opportunities, these these blessings that we have to be together out of the world. Now we've already talked about these this laundry list of troubles that exist in this world today, the challenges that we face as as Christians day in and day out while living and working in this world. And yet there are some who will not take advantage of the time that we have to to come together away from those stresses, away from those troubles, and to draw near to God and be together with like-minded brethren. And, and, And when we choose to not be in attendance together, whether it be at worship or Bible classes... We are failing to take advantage of the place of refuge that God has provided. And this is something that we need to see. We need to understand this. You know, we're not talking about people who can't be here. We're talking about people who who make the choice to not be here. And we need to see this and we need to understand this because the devil is, as we said, working overtime... And he's working hard at convincing people that it's not a big deal if we miss services. You know, have you ever thought about that? I'm going to ask that. Have you ever thought about that? That that, that a simple thought on a Wednesday night or a Wednesday evening, like, well, a a thought like this. Like, it's been such a long day and and I'm I'm so tired. I'm just not up to going to class tonight. Have you ever thought that... That a simple thought like that could be the devil tempting you to miss out on an opportunity to be with God's people. Missing out, tempting you to miss out on an opportunity to learn more about His Word, about God's Word. To be away from the world for a while, to be under the Lord's protection within His refuge. A simple thought like that can be Satan tempting you. Or, you know, we might say, well, it's just so hard with, with the kids. Wednesday night throws off the whole schedule and we, we just can't do it. And, and again, brethren, I want to say this as kindly as possible. But folks, what are we teaching our kids when we behave this way? You know, we can seriously underestimate just how much our children will pick up on and how that can have a truly devastating effect on their faith as they grow into adults, you know. It was not that long ago, and many of you will will understand this, but brethren, it was not that long ago that you would have a young couple that was getting ready to bring their first child into the world, and, and they would begin, before the baby was born, to plan for the fact that they would be coming to worship with the baby. And the primary attitude of these young Christian couples was, well, we're going to be there. They started with, we will be there. We will be there when the saints gather, no matter what. And that the new addition to the family is not going to change that, if at all possible. And we just don't see that as much anymore. And I wonder if that is because of the influences of the world and our culture. 
You know, sometimes these influences are not just bold, in-your-face influences. Sometimes they're subtle attacks. I mean, things today are all about feelings and how I feel and what I want and what I desire. And many of us have said, well, you know, I'm kind of against all that. But, but these things, bombarded with these, these feelings from the culture, can sometimes start to have an effect on people. And I think that maybe we've been influenced a little bit by this mentality. And that we have a little bit of this I can't attitude versus a can do attitude. And so then we find ourselves making all sorts of excuses like, well, when the kids are older, it's going to be easier. But let's be honest here, folks. There are always, and you know this, there are always going to be a lot of reasons to not attend. Always. And you know who's going to see to that? The devil. The devil's going to see to that. There's always going to be something. And so many of us have seen this happen before. We have people who will make excuses, say, well, I can't do it now, but later on I'll be able to do it. And then we get to later on, and then there's some other reason. And then we go a little bit further, and then there's another reason. And it's sad when we see that. So we have to be very careful with this line of reasoning. But, but this mentality can affect all of us if we are not careful. We can convince ourselves that, that we are just not feeling well enough to attend when if we really think about it, we're just tired. And I'm saying this because there have been times in the past where this has happened to me. You know, we went to work all day. We were totally fine there. But now, well, I feel terrible. I can't go to class. But, but I'm just too stressed. Work is so stressful. School is so stressful. And I don't know if anyone else has noticed this, but I've certainly noticed it at my job, is that it's harder now doing my job than it was 10 years ago. The demands just keep on piling on. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that's experiencing things like that. And so I get that. I get that it can be stressful. But that is all the more reason that you need to step away from those things and draw near to God. I can't tell you how many times that I have felt that temptation. I'm just going to be full disclosure here. I can't tell you how many times I personally have felt that temptation to just stay home because of how difficult things have been over the course of the week or maybe several weeks. And I might say, well, I just need a break. I've been going nonstop. And I just need a break. And, and you know what? Every single time that I felt that way and still forced myself to go and be with the brethren, I always, always, without exception, was glad that I did. I would come away from class or worship so encouraged that I had, for a time, forgotten about the trials that I was facing. And I am sure I'm not the only one who has experienced that before. So what we need to do, brethren, is to just make the decision right now, today, this morning. We need to make the decision right now that we are going to serve the Lord no matter what. And that we're going to put Him first. And, and then we need to remember that when the trials and temptations come, 
that we have already made that commitment to the Lord. And if our focus is completely upon serving the Lord and following Him as a true disciple, we're not going to have any problems with our attendance. That's just not going to happen. You likely remember the account uh, in Matthew chapter 22. When a lawyer asks Jesus a question, testing him, it says, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And then Jesus responds in verse 37 of Matthew 22. Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And this helps me to remember a lesson that Bill Blades did uh, years ago that's always stuck with me. Uh, he did it about this verse and about what Jesus says here. And it's, it's, you know, it's so simple. If we love God this way, we will do whatever we need to do and there won't be a thing that will stop us. So brethren, I, I know that the last couple minutes here has stepped on our toes a little bit. In fact, for some of us, maybe it feels like our whole foot was stepped on. I get that. But please know that this is coming from a place of love for my brethren. And a true desire that we can all be saved when this life is over. Let's make that commitment to love the Lord in this way that Jesus says that we should. And let's appreciate the blessings that the Lord has provided for us in His church. The opportunities for growth. The opportunities for encouragement and protection from the dangers of this perverse generation. God is a shelter for us. And we should not lose sight of that. And we need to take advantage of every opportunity to come out of the world and be together. You know, we're still spending more of our time outside of this building. But think about that. You know, we're going to have opportunities to meet. We're going to bring the home Bible studies back. There's ladies' Bible studies. There's going to be the gatherings that we have. There's going to be Bible class and worship and midweek Bible study. It's not asking that much. But if we make that decision that I'm going to be there... And I'm going to put Jesus first. Nothing's going to get in the way of that. And I think sometimes we bog ourselves down with, well, how do I do this? And how do I get this done? And, and I, what, what plan do I have? We, we want some specific answers. And, and the answer is, just choose this day who you're going to serve. Just make that decision. And just do it. Let's not overcomplicate it. And we also see in the first verse of the 46th Psalm that God is our strength. So not only is He a refuge, as we've been talking about, He is our strength. So at the start of our lesson, we talked about how, how we can face challenges to our faith, to our faith and, and how we can find ourselves fighting these spiritual battles against those that would promote error and, and how these battles can sometimes take place within a local congregation. And we talked about how we have to fight against the temptations of the devil. But we are reminded that God is our strength and He can help us with these things. 
This is so very important for us to remember, and it is so very encouraging. God is our strength. Let's really take some time to think about that for a moment. Is there anyone or anything stronger than the God who created us in all things? We know the answer to that. How wonderful it is to be aware of the fact that the God who created all things, the God who has all power and all authority, the God who is upon His throne in heaven, that God is our strength. What a blessing that is. And, and as verse 1 continues in Psalm 46, we are told that God is a very present help in trouble. God is very much aware of the troubles and concerns that you have. The worries that you have. And He is there for you and He is available to you at all times. A very present help in trouble. So you may find yourself this morning hurting physically and and struggling with health issues. God knows this. And His help is available to you. You may find yourself this morning struggling with the internal emotional pain. God knows this. And His help is available to you. You know, you may be dealing with problems that nobody else even knows about. But God knows about those things too and his help is available to you and this help from God is available to you now today we can pray to him at any time any time that we need to talk to God he is there and when I think about this I'm reminded of Hezekiah's prayer in 2 Kings chapter 20 Verses 1 through 6, 2 Kings chapter 20. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then he turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Remember now, O Lord, I, I pray how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what was good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And it happened before Isaiah had gone out into the middle court that the word of the Lord came to him saying, Return and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. I have seen your tears. Surely I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria. And I will defend this city for my own sake and for the sake of my servant David. Hezekiah's prayer was heard. And it was answered right then and there. That's faster than texting, folks. It was answered right then and there. There was a present help, fast help that was available. And we see the same thing in the previous chapter when Hezekiah prays about Sennacherib. And we've talked about that recently. Now the Bible student, and we want to point this out though, the Bible student knows that while the Lord hears the prayers of the righteous and He answers them, that those prayers may not always be answered exactly the way that we think they should be answered, nor may they be answered according to our time frame. It's always God's time frame. 
But the fact remains that we have help available to us from God. And that help is always available to us and it's available to us now. God is our refuge and our strength. A very present help in trouble. And a second reminder that we can get from Psalm 46 is that we don't have to be afraid. You know, fear has become more and more of a problem in the world today. You know, many of you may remember from from United States history how Franklin D. Roosevelt in his first inaugural address said that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Nameless, unreasoning, unjustified terror which paralyzes needed efforts to convert retreat into advance. A very famous phrase from a famous speech that that people have quoted time and time again. But today, it seems more and more that people have forgotten about this. Fear is used over and over by politicians on both sides of the political aisle. And it's often used to rally or in some cases manipulate people to seeing their point of view or to just keep people under some sort of control. I mean, even the things we started this lesson out, I don't know how much of that is being hyped by the media and how much of it is real. But nonetheless, they can cause us concerns. But I think that if we really take the time to think about this, we could, we could think of several examples of this fear-mongering that have occurred within the past few years. And, and of course... As we've talked about, our media is a significant problem with this. If, if one is to spend a significant amount of time watching or reading about the news of the world, they're going to find themselves bombarded with a wide array of things that they're being told that they need to worry about. And, and, and social media has just amplified the whole thing. And we don't need to go into detail about this. We know this is true. We see this all the time. But what we may not see is that the encouragement to fear is sometimes coming from those that we ourselves may trust and agree with. And that, brethren, I believe is a harder pill for us to swallow. At any rate, this poses some challenges for us as Christians as as we can find ourselves, as we are bombarded with all this fear-mongering, becoming more and more afraid of everything to the point where it can begin to interfere with our faith in Christ and our daily walk as a Christian. And this is when it is truly a problem. This is when it really becomes a problem. When our fear gets in the way of us doing what a servant of God in His kingdom needs to be doing. When, when fear keeps us from assembling together to worship our God and remember, remember His Son. When, when fear keeps us silent as people stand before us or among us and criticize our beliefs and misrepresent God. Or, or when fear discourages us from speaking to others about Jesus because of how they might react to us. Or when fear keeps us from shining our lights because of what others may think about us. When, when, when fear keeps us from taking a stand on something that God has explicitly taught because it might hurt someone's feelings. And when fear keeps us from 
speaking out against blatant sin and things that offend our God because of how it might affect us in the workplace or, or when it causes us to cave in to the pressure and go along with the world. That's when fear becomes a major problem for the Christian. Let's go back to Psalm 46. Now you may remember how when the word Selah is used in the Psalms, we learned this, uh, Phil Morgan taught about this, and it's been echoed many times in our Bible classes. But you may remember how when that word Selah is used in the Psalms, it is intended as a break or, or a pause so that the people could think about what they were singing, what was being said. So we see that break or pause occur three times in Psalm 46. And this is one of those times. And so let's read the first three verses of Psalm 46 again and consider the pause and think about what is being said. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear, even though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling. Selah. It's pretty powerful, isn't it, when you consider the pause. Gives you a little time to think about it, a little time to reflect. And you know, we can, we can sometimes just gloss over these things in our daily Bible readings and, and, and really miss the message. And, and, and we can sometimes do this in our singing during worship. And we don't, we don't have built-in pauses in our psalm books with our hymns for worship. So it's really up to us individually to be really on the ball and truly engaged in what we are singing about. We have to kind of do this ourselves because we don't have these built-in pauses. You know, if you would right now, open your psalm books to hymn number 390, number 390. We're going to sing this song, Anywhere with Jesus. But we're going to have some pauses put in here. We're going to try, try something here. And I, hopefully this will be helpful to us. We're going to sing the first verse all the way through. We're not going to sing the chorus. We're going to sing. We're basically going to sing the first three verses and then the chorus last. But after the end of the first verse, there's going to be a pause. So you're going to want to look for me for the look at look at me for the pause. And then we'll start with the second verse. And at the end of the second verse, there's going to be a pause. And then we're going to do the third verse and go right into the chorus. And then we'll end the hymn. All right. So we're going to go ahead and try this together. Number 390. Number 390. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Anywhere he leads me in this world below. Anywhere without him, dearest joys would fade. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. Anywhere with Jesus, I am not afraid. 
Anywhere with Jesus I am not alone. Other friends may fail me, he is still my own. Though his hand may lead me over drearest ways, anywhere with Jesus is a house of praise. Anywhere with Jesus over land and sea, telling souls in darkness of salvation free. Ready as he summons me to go or stay. Anywhere with Jesus when he points the way. Anywhere, anywhere, fear I cannot know. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. It makes a little bit of a difference there when you put those pauses in. You kind of appreciate what that meant in the Psalms. And again, we, when we're singing, I'm not saying we have to do that all the time, but we need to really be on the ball and thinking about what is being said and what that means. I want to consider some other passages before we move on with the lesson. Matthew, uh, before we move on to another point, Matthew 8, verses 23 through 26. So we've been familiar with this this account here. Now when he, Jesus, we're talking about Jesus here. When Jesus got into a boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him saying, Lord, save us, we are perishing. But he said to them, why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea and there was a great calm you know when when i look at this account and i think i would have been afraid would you have been afraid i would have been afraid you know you're out there on this boat and this huge storm arises the water's coming into the boat it says the boat was covered with the waves and you have you have people on this boat who were experienced fishermen and so they had this kind of experience with this kind of stuff and storms and such and and they were afraid. I don't think there is a one of us who wouldn't have been a little bit rattled by this. But Jesus asked them, Why are you so fearful, O you of little faith? And so I think about myself and the things that I experience in my life. And there are, if I'm completely honest... There are things in this life that scare me, that make me afraid. But then I come to this passage and read what Jesus says, and it helps me to see that if Jesus is with me, I don't need to be fearful. And that's pretty much what we were just singing about. Anywhere with Jesus. Yeah, I I might be nervous, I might be afraid, but if I'm with Jesus... If I'm walking with him and he is near, I don't have to be afraid at all. And I need to remember that. We need to remember that. Matthew chapter 14, verses 23 through 32. 
And when he, Jesus, had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening came, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost! And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So he said, Come. And when Peter had come out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. So here's another passage that that many of us are familiar with. And once again, we see the disciples out in the middle of the sea. And at this point, it's dark. The winds are stirring up the waves. And Jesus comes to them walking on water. But they don't realize it's him. And so they think it's a ghost. And they cry out for fear. But Jesus speaks to them immediately saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And then it's Peter who answers Jesus. He said, okay, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. Jesus tells him to come. And Peter gets out of the boat and is walking on the water. And I think about this. Can you imagine this? Can you you imagine that situation? Really picture this in your head right now. So so as Peter is, is walking to Jesus... He then notices that the wind is bad, and and we already know that the waves were were being kicked up and all. So Peter, like I would imagine all of us would be, gets scared and begins to sink. But Jesus is there and immediately catches him, reaches out his hand, caught him, and Jesus says, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? Again, a powerful lesson here for us. And that is the fact that If we have Jesus nearby, if we are walking with him, he will be there to help us and we do not have to be afraid. And did you realize what it was or when it was that Peter started to sink? You realize the moment that Peter started to sink when he started to have trouble with his faith? It was when he focused more on what was going on around him rather than on Jesus. So the message for us is to keep our eyes on Jesus. This world is a scary place and there are trials and tribulations that befall everyone and they're all around us. There are storms in this life and they will affect us at different times. But if we keep our eyes on Jesus, we can persevere. Yet we will sometimes find ourselves being afraid. But we can and we must remember to keep ourselves focused on Jesus and follow Him. I came across this picture and I, I wanted to share it with you. as I think it provides us with a good visual. And, and I, I understand, I know that we, we do not know, we're not aware of what Jesus really looked like. But I think this image provides us with a powerful visual 
of what we need to be focused on when the trials of life come upon us. And folks, they are coming. Some of us are already dealing with them. For others of us, they're coming. That's how this life is. Are we going to be focused upon the storms of this life? Or are we going to be focused on Jesus? You know, it's not, it's not wrong, really, to have those feelings of fear, to be afraid of certain things. But what we do with that fear, or, or don't do, that is where the real problem is. Let's keep our eyes focused on Jesus. If, if we go back to Psalm 46, it's basically the same message for the people back then. In verses 7 and 11, we see the same statement. Psalm 46, verses 7 and in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. We don't need to be afraid. The Lord is with us. And He is our refuge. And also notice what it says in verses 8 and 9 of Psalm 46. Come, behold the works of the Lord who has made desolations in the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and cuts the spear in two. He burns the chariot in the fire. You know, when we are able to consider the great works of our God, the powers demonstrated in the creation, His creation of all things, His control over all things, the fact that He sits upon His throne in heaven and there is nothing that He isn't aware of these powerful reminders can help us to not be fearful, to not be afraid. Some very good lessons for us to keep in mind. God has done so much. He has all power and all authority over His creation. Things may get crazy. Things may get tough for us. But we do not have to be afraid. We don't have to do that. And finally this morning we are reminded in verse 10 of the 46th Psalm to be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. You know, the New American Standard Version reads, Cease striving and know that I am God. You know, even with the understanding that God is there for us, that, that He is always there for us, we can sometimes fail to hand our worries and our fears over to Him. And so we are reminded, near the close of this psalm, to be still. Or to cease striving. In other words, don't get all worked up and agitated on the inside. Stop being bothered by all the craziness in the world and trust God. Look, I, I get it. I understand we get bothered by a lot of things. I'm bothered by a lot of things that, that, that are happening in the world today. I, I get irritated with some of those things. Uh, the lack of respect for God and His truth. That rubs me the wrong way. The moral decay of society. It bothers me. I get it. But I have to be careful. We have to be careful not to allow these things to get us all worked up. To get all frustrated and agitated on the inside. To get us all angry and, and bitter. That doesn't do us any good at all. 
If we get agitated and angry and all worked up because of the evil in this world, we can find ourselves reacting very angrily to things, arguing and and fighting with people with whom we disagree rather than trying to reason with them from the Scriptures. Becoming so focused on, on how we view things politically rather than on how the fact that there are lost souls in the world who need Jesus. Folks, it's, it's a problem if we're more concerned about converting people to vote a certain way or believe a certain way politically than we are about converting people to Christ. Now we may not think that we are this way, but, but think about it. Some some will post some Christians will post all sorts of political things on social media and yet neglect to share the gospel with people. You know, we will use social media to promote or proclaim our identification with political figures, other people that we agree with, but then neglect to share what should be most important to us, our faith with those that are lost. You you know, I've been thinking about this for a long time now. And and you know what? If we are completely focused upon spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching them about how they can be saved from their sins through the blood of Christ, teaching them about how to get into Christ through water baptism, and then studying with them, and helping them to understand the teachings of Jesus and, and how He would have us to live as disciples. Helping them to grow in Christ and become strong servants in the kingdom. They will come to know what they need to know about the situation in our world today and they will react accordingly. We need to be preaching Jesus and not political viewpoints. Now don't misunderstand me. There there were situations in the Bible where where the politics of the time had an effect on God's people. And and we just spent a few Sundays in our Sunday morning Bible class talking about all the politics that ended up getting Jesus hung on the cross. So, yes, sometimes we're going to address things that are happening in the world and, and consider what the Bible teaches in response to current trends and political beliefs. But we should never allow our political views, our support of political candidates, to overshadow our faith in Jesus Christ. We can get so angry, so worked up about things, that that we can forget what our focus really needs to be. So we jump on the arguments, into arguments on social media. Uh, We aggressively post things that we know are going to ruffle the feathers of people who hold different views than we do. Not saying this is happening here, but I've seen I've seen brethren do things like this. We eagerly jump into arguments with people, reacting carnally to these things rather than reflecting Christ. Brethren, we we need to be still. No matter what happens, no matter what man does. No matter what laws are passed, no matter what the Supreme Court rules or doesn't rule, because that's, that's getting people all worked up, and it has for years and years and years, and it will probably be that way in the future. But we serve God. We serve Him. We follow Jesus. 
no matter what laws are passed, no matter what happens, no matter what man does, no matter the unrest that occurs in our society, no matter how people in the world behave and react, God is upon His throne, and what He wills is what is going to happen. But some might say, but, but I, get so, I just get so angry and, and frustrated at the things that are happening at, and how people are behaving. Spend some time with God's Word. Spend some time with God in prayer. Give these concerns to God and focus upon what He wants you to do in His kingdom. 1 Peter chapter 5 starting in verse 6. Again, 1 Peter 5, starting in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He cares for you. God knows. God understands. Give these things over to Him and just be who you need to be. Cease striving. Be still. And know that God is in control. Doing this will take some effort on our part. It takes some effort on my part. You know, I don't want to stand here and act like I haven't gotten worked up about things before. Because I have. You know, a lot of us who preach these lessons will tell you, a lot of times we're starting with ourselves. We're seeing things in ourselves that we need to be reminded of. And that's certainly the case here for me going to take some effort, especially if we have been prone to getting ourselves worked up about things. But we can do this, and I know this because God says so. Well, brethren, I hope this has been helpful for you. We, we do live in crazy and uncertain times, and it may get worse. We've seen trends. You know, you study the Bible, you're going to see all sorts of different trends and what man does and what happens and you know, you might have a generation that has good leadership, a generation that's serving the Lord, and then another generation comes up, they don't know the Lord, and things go haywire. So what we're dealing with is nothing new, really. It's just might be rattling us a little bit because we've been living comfortably for so long. And so it's kind of uh, getting at us a little bit. So we do. We live in some crazy and uncertain times. It may get worse before it gets better, but... God is our refuge and our strength. He is there to help us. He's there to help you when trouble arises. And because of that, we don't have to be afraid. We don't have to be paralyzed by fear. We can keep our eyes focused upon Jesus, following Him, keeping His commandments, and remembering these things can help us to cease striving, or to be still and know that our God is in control. He will be exalted among the nations. He will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. If you're subject to the Lord's invitation, we invite you to come as we stand and sing.